Thank you for checking out the Warehouse Church Podcast. We would love to connect with you. Take a moment and visit us at warehousechurch.com. Wherever you are, we hope this message encourages you today. Now, here's Pastor Ed. Entire country, city people were there. 
uh, as Solomon was, was, was declaring some things and dedicating the temple, you could just feel the excitement building. And then at the end of this uh, prayer and, and dedicatory talk that Solomon had with the children of Israel, he called upon the presence of God to fill the temple. And God's presence, you, you read the story, it's just crazy, just fills the temple. And his presence was here on the earth in his temple. I think symbolism is very relevant in the Bible. I really believe that. You go all the way, years and years and years later, a couple thousand years later, Jesus Christ comes on the scene. And one of the things that the Pharisees got mad at him for saying was, I'm going to tear down this temple and I'm going to rebuild it in three days. Well, to them, that was sacrilegious because in their minds, he was speaking against the place where God's presence was. Although God's presence had left the children of Israel years and years ago because of the many sins that they committed. And of course, Jesus Christ died, rose again three days later. The temple was built back up again. And then after he ascended back up into heaven, God's presence came down to the earth in a different way. In the Old Testament, God's presence was on the earth through the prophets, through the people, then through the temple. When Jesus was on the earth, God's presence was here on the earth. When Jesus ascended back up into heaven, the Holy Spirit came and indwelt. Well, check this out. God's presence indwelt believers. Therefore, believers became the temple of God. You, if you know Jesus Christ, are a physical manifestation of God's presence here on this earth. That's a pretty significant thing if you think about it. That we represent God, by the way. Now, now we always think about that when it comes to our actions, our attitudes, our sins, how good and how bad we are. But you, if you think about all, and if you read this historically, it's just, it's just great, great thing to read. First Corinthians, Second Chronicles, I think it's seven chapter six in Second Chronicles. You read about the super amount of detail that went into the building of this temple. Like every little decoration, everything that they did was extremely detailed. And I'm going to be honest with you, it's kind of hard to read. Like, okay, seven gold plates, bronze shields, all these different things. How is that relevant? You know, it's relevant because of this. The detail that God put into that temple and taking care of that temple because it was a place of honor. Think about this. That temple in the Old Testament was God's presence here on the earth. Super, super amount of detail. Take care of the temple. Take care of the temple. Take care of the temple. First Corinthians, the Bible tells us this. You and I are the temple of God. That is very powerful when you think about the responsibility that you and I have if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That God lives inside of you. Now here's my question I want to ask you this morning. What kind of temple is God living in this morning? Now, I, I want to talk to you this morning uh, about these healthy habits. Uh, the Bible tells us in 3 John, uh, verse number 2, I pray that all is well with you, and that your body is healthy, as I know that your soul is. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. Don't depend upon your own wisdom. Respect the Lord. Refuse to do wrong. Then your body will be healthy and your bones will be also. Uh, it's a pretty big deal to think about the, the importance that God has placed on you being his temple. I, I'm going to share this first thought with you. And then I kind of have a confession I want to share with you. And I'm not, it, it's, it, to be honest with you, it's kind of hard to talk about. But I'm, I'm very honored to share things with you. Somebody, I, I've said this to the church before. Somebody said to me, what's the hardest thing about being a pastor? I said, well... They said, man, getting up in front of everybody all the time, that's got to be really hard. That's not hard. I, maybe my personality, maybe I like doing it. Maybe I like standing in front of people and sometimes making an idiot of myself. A lot of times having the privilege of sharing the truth. That's not the hard part. I'm going to tell you what the hard part is, is living what we talk about. Because I'm going to tell you something, church. 99.9% .9 of the time, and I challenge you, that challenge is very alive and well in my heart, too. Because I'm not 100% the guy I need to be all the time. None of us are. But we're so focused on the exterior struggles, right? What we say, what we do, how we act, how we sin. And this whole thing about healthy living is kind of, it, it, it feels like it's, it, it's been excused by the church. Like it's, it's really not that big a deal. I told a story 
uh, about a year ago uh, about a guy that came up to me at our church in Philadelphia, and he came storming up to me, okay? And he said, Pastor, there's somebody outside of the church smoking right now. I said, well, okay, they're not smoking inside. I don't really see what the problem is. Don't you think that they're defiling God's temple by doing that? And I'm not kidding. I mean, God had, how many of you believe God has a sense of humor in the God has a sense of humor. This brother was 400 plus pounds, drinking a big old coffee, not like a regular coffee, had all the grilled creamer and 10 pounds of sugar in it. A donut in his other hand, telling me about somebody who was defiling God's temple. But we kind of, for years, we, we, we right, I do it too. Uh, if I were to stand up in some kind of NA, AA, or FA, it would be Foodholics Anonymous meeting. I would stand before you and I would say, my name is Ed Trinkle and I am addicted to food. Can anybody else agree with that this morning? Not that I am, but you are, is what I was trying to say. <laughs> and, and, and I'll be honest with you, I'm kind of embarrassed to share what I'm going to share with you to start this off with this morning. Uh, some of you know this that know me about a year and a half ago. I had a heart attack. And uh, it, it was it was very uh, it was a very eye-opening physical experience, but it really did not. To, I mean, just to be frank with you, create life change in me that I needed to have. And uh, earlier this spring, Kim and I uh, went to Orlando with some friends, and I was walking around uh, Epcot. They had the food and wine festival, right? And we were going stand, 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 stand. And um, I got tired about 2 o'clock and needed to go back to my room and take a nap. I was tired. And I'm watching all these grandparents with their kids and parents with their kids. And I just, it just, I was laying on my bed and saying, you know what? I am done living like oh, just an unhealthy guy. And God really spoke to my heart about it. And I, I'll be honest with you, I'm embarrassed to talk about it with you. I really am. I, I'm thankful for God's grace. Because the first thing I needed to do was ask God to forgive me for not taking care of the temple that he blessed me with. You know, and, and about three weeks later, uh, I've always, I've always been going to chiropractic care for as long as I was twice since I was 18 years old. Uh, we went to a chiropractor's office named Dr. Brian Newton. And I, took, I was going there to take my wife there. And she went and got x-rays and got the whole workup and all these things. He came out and said to me, come on up here, big boy, you're next. I'm like, oh, I'm not ready for all this stuff. And he goes, yes, you are. And he kind of grabbed my arm. She said, first thing you're going to do is this. And the next thing you're going to do is this. And the next thing you're going to do is this. And I'm super skeptical. I don't want anything to do with it. i got to do it on my terms. I'm kind of, uh, you know, doing all that kind of a thing. And they, they, they took your neck x-ray. They told, you, told me about some things that were true about my body. He said, listen. Well, I want to know, he, he asked us to write down some goals. What are your personal goals over the next couple of years? And I knew what he was doing. I knew, I knew, I, I just, I knew what was happening. I just knew it, you know. And he said, what, do you, what, what are some health goals that you have? What do you want to do? How long do you want to live? Da, 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 da. And it was just like the Lord was telling me, you pray and ask for forgiveness. I'm sending you somebody that's going to help make you healthy. And uh, for the past three months, I've been, you know, going to see him. And he's been helping me a lot, giving me diet tips and good health things, and I've taken out a lot of bad stuff from my, and I'm going to tell you something, I'm, not, I'm only halfway through my journey, and that's why I wanted to talk to you about this now, because to be honest with you, how many of you have ever seen Biggest Loser before, okay, I used to watch Biggest Loser with ice cream, did anybody else do that, <laughs> these fatties, these guys are dummies, I'm not that fat, I could just, you know, I could just start working out, and it's no big deal, but then towards the end of the show, I would always get a little, uh, skeptical and judgmental because all these people that were gargantuan, right, are, ha have lost all this weight, trying to win this point, all this stuff. And what do they all want to be now, now that they lost? Well, I'm a personal trainer now, and I'm a motivational speaker, and I want you to do it. And I'm thinking, no, I don't want to do that. I want to get up in the middle of the struggle and say, I'm still fighting through this. I'm still fighting through it. Uh, Christmas week. Uh, we were on vacation, Dr. Brian said to me, uh, Christmas is one day, not a month-long celebration, right? So Christmas Day, we ate good. The day after Christmas, uh, a friend of ours sent us five large pizzas. So I'm thinking, this is my day, right? This is my binge day. I can do this. I'm going to tell you something. I started eating that pizza and smelling that pizza and kissing that pizza, <laughs> stroking it quietly and talking to it. And I was like, 
And I'm going to tell you something. I, I'm just telling you this morning, I am addicted to food. And I know it's funny because that's like a, you know, it's kind of a funny, if I were to get up here and say I'm addicted to pornography, everybody would go, oh, we're leaving the church. But I'm like, I am. I, I, I have to be careful with, with food because it is something that can absolutely destroy my life. So I want to introduce you to my friend, uh, Dr. Brian Hooten, uh, who leads Hooten uh, Chiropractic Care in Dallas, just off the Dallas North Tollway. We're going to talk about this in just a second, and he's going to tell you about his place. I want to tell you something. This is not an infomercial for his business. And that's what he wanted me to say. Okay? He, but, but we're here today together, biblically, to talk about some things to promote healthy living for our entire church. You know, dads, it starts with you. Husbands, it starts with you. Moms, it starts with you in your house, too. I mean, this is such a great responsibility that we have in leading our kids. So Dr. Brian has... Uh, chiropractic Care Center, Maximum Living. Uh, he has in North Dallas. Uh, he is also trained uh, United States Olympic team wrestling team. Been uh, the, 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 the caregiver for them on more than one Olympics. He's also sanctioned by the NFL, the NFL Players Association, uh, to be their health care provider too. So this guy knows his stuff. He's got great education, but more importantly, he's a child of God, loves Jesus, and has a biblical conviction on why we, not I, why we need to pursue healthy living. So I'm going to ask if you would make him feel how welcome to our church this morning. Dr. Brian Hooten. So when, when you go in, you can, come on over here. When you go into Dr. Brian's office, one thing he says to you all the time, he says, welcome family, gives you a big hug. And if you're not a hugger, get over it because he's going to do it for you. But uh, I'm going to ask uh, Dr. Brian a couple of questions to kind of provoke him a little bit and just give him an opportunity to pour some truth and love to our church this morning. So Dr. Brian, so thank you for being here. Thank you for the influence that, you, that you're having, not past tense, that you're currently having in my life. I'm even having him over today to my house to watch the Eagles game, right? Danger. Yeah. So that I don't fall off the wagon if something terrible happens today. But uh, let, me, let me ask you a couple questions and I'll let you pour into our people today. Why are you so driven about helping people get healthy? So, just a thought-provoking question for you. Whenever you had an heart attack, how scared were you? I was scared after because I didn't know what was happening when it happened. When I woke up and they did all the stuff and put the stent in, he was explaining it to me. I said, I'm only 49 years old. How could this have happened to me? And so, Kim and the girls, how scared were y'all? So, we don't think about diseases like this until they happen. And we're, we've caught in kind of a culture where let's find the disease after it's already occurring and now let's just treat the disease so we never really get well that way. And I was glad that we, uh, you know, I watched my grandmother. I mean, I had a health challenge as a child. I had this autoimmune condition. We came out of that. I started this type of chiropractic care at 13 years old. Everything changed. My breathing caused me away. My kidneys healed up. But then my grandmother was doing the typical stuff and taking uh, four or five medications for blood pressure blood thinners and that kind of thing. You know, why do we take those? What, what's the purpose of taking like a blood thinner? What are you trying to prevent? Heart attack, heart disease. Right. So I used to count her medications to make sure she took them in the morning and took it at night. And then at 69 years old, so I was, a, I was in high school, and she had a massive stroke anyway. And we already started to live this, or realized we need to live healthier as a family. But when this happened, it occurred to me that she had wrong information. Um, all these wonderful doctors and therapists that had taken care of her over the years, nobody really knew how to get her well. And we had doctors and pharmacists in my family and therapists, and they were all in agreement. So, you know what? We really don't know how to do this. Why did she have a stroke? And it scared us all. Because that's the system that is put in place to be healthy. And you can see the confusion. You know, so I came out of that, and I couldn't really piece together the emotion of that. I was the oldest grandson. I lived close to my grandma. She put the piano like, like an angel. So she lost that ability. She's not married for four years. All she did was help me. And there she goes down. So I came out of that with you know, angry, confused. Oh. <laughs> came out of that and was sort of angry and confused. And the result was saying, you know, we've got to live better. We've got to find uh, the right way to go. But because you know, we just weren't given. We were scared. You know, I, I was scared myself at the time. 
not just when I remember that, I woke up one morning, turned the shower on, and there was a snake in my shower. So I actually had to turn the water on and just let it run, and I went to put my foot in it. And I noticed after the corner of this thing moving in the shower, and how many of you would jump? Yeah. So it's like six in the morning. I jumped so hard, and I took the shower curtain and ride with me. Busted the door down and I landed in the front yard in like two steps. I mean, I was mortified. And my roommate came running out, cracking up, and he was laughing so hard he couldn't even stand up and put a rubber snake in his back. That's awesome. <laughs> so, you know, when I asked you if you would jump at that snake, right, if you thought it was a snake, you know, if, if you're facing a heart attack or you're facing cancer, I don't know if you saw the shirt, how many of you would change your lifestyle right then? You know, whether you have it or not, and so why wouldn't we change that beforehand? So then you've got to get the right information. So a combination of multiple things, you know, my grandmother, my personal health history, uh, my parents, you know, watching you. There's a guy sitting here in this audience right now who's taking thyroid medication since he was four years old. And I met him at 19, and he just never realized that that was not healthy. It wasn't God's plan. You know, God doesn't make us have to take these things. And, I, and I'm grateful for the emergency room. I'm grateful if you've ever had it. Like, I'm grateful that you made it to the hospital and they put that standing in your life today. I'm not crazy. It would be horrible if you were here. But beyond that, relying on that, the Bible calls it pharmakia. And if you ever went across that, there's five or six passages in, in uh, Revelations where it says if we rely on things like pharmakia, which is obviously the um, term where we got pharmacy from. Loosely translated from the Greek, I think it means sorcery. Mm -hmm. If we rely on that, we're going to go down. So living that way just wasn't right, and I just I got fired up uh, when my grandmother. By the way, my grandmother she she lived, uh, but for 17 years we watched her fade away in Alzheimer's. So at 89 years old now, if heart disease and cancer don't scare you, how many of you had somebody close to you with Alzheimer's or dementia? When that happened, that's when I really got fired. And it's not all that different from trying to get somebody to Christ. And how many of you wish it's, I wish I'd said something more to that person to give them a charge or you know, we've all been there and I was tired of living down there. So that's how I got. Well you kind of doubled we had Kim on one side and you on the other, so I had no hope Yeah. So what's what's the biggest need uh, you see in people that are losing the battle in their personal health? Like I mean because honestly, you know, when we talk about sin, like if people say, okay, is this church? What are we talking about health for? When we think about sin, sometimes we feel like, okay, I did wrong. I'm ashamed. I got to say I'm sorry. And then sometimes we kind of have these habitual sins, right? Have you ever felt like you keep saying the same, uh, I'm sorry to God prayer all the time? God, I'm sorry I didn't. I, I, I had a bad attitude in this arena. God, I'm sorry that I said this to my wife. God, I'm sorry that I, I did something. I mean, look at sin that way. But when it comes to hell, we kind of go through that same thing. And I did too, like losing the cupcake battle, losing the pizza battle, you know. If it's there, and, and, and I can tell you, I've had, I don't know if it's buyer's remorse or just, just maybe conviction of, of sin in my heart. You know, eating that whole pizza, breathing that whole pizza in like it's nobody's business. Eating, I, I won't take a poll this morning, but how many to have ever eaten a whole box of Oreos before? Okay, right, in one sitting, you know, how oh, well, I've done that. But, you know, I mean, I, I've done that, you know, so, so we, we, we understand the habitual sin, God, I'm sorry, give me the strength to do what I need to do. But when it comes to this area of our health, sometimes we feel that when we've been, you know, 10, 20, 30, 50, 100 pounds overweight, it's too far from me. Mm. You know, so maybe you can speak into that a little bit. Yeah, so, you know, the devil loves it when he goes home. Yeah. Man. I mean, you talk about, I hope you're cool. Let him take away your hope. Yeah. And then you get into that state of, you know, hopelessness and helplessness. Um, add to that confusion. And then just flat out apathy. What's the old saying, if it ain't broken? Yeah. So, I'm fine, my dude. I feel great. You know, I've heard of that answer a thousand times from somebody taking 10 medications. I'm fine, I'm great. If you ask my grandmother before she lost her speech, how are you doing, Granny? Oh, I'm just fine, thank you for asking. I mean, this is, 
the culture that we've gone to. So I would say, I get some hope. Get some hope. God did not, I mean, that, that opening that you did of the yard, I mean, if whoever videoed that, I don't want that, that was powerful. I mean, you, you have this gift of not judging, or you're not even convicting us. You're letting God do the convicting through your voice. If you want to be Halloweenies when it comes to leadership, you're doing a fantastic job of here giving you guys hope. We've got to get that hope back. And then, a close second would be getting the right information. Just getting the right information. So I had a quick story. I, we had an awful accident uh, in 2003. I was driving a boat, um, teaching my buddies how to wakeboard. How many of you wakeboard kids? Yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, a couple of our friends couldn't do it, and we, we got this boat, and uh, we were going along. And if you've ever water skied or wakeboarded, it's all about I keep trying, you know, keep trying to get up, keep trying to get up. And it's the same thing with this journey. You know, keep, Keep moving forward, keep moving forward. Well, this guy kept falling and falling and falling. And this one time he got up and he stayed up for about 10 seconds and then he fell. So I turned the boat and to go get him. So I'm looking over to the right and a buddy of mine fell off the front of the boat and the engine caught him in the head and killed him. And this is a good friend of mine. And how many of you have like a life trauma? Somebody died just close to you. I mean, how do you, it's really hard to put that emotion into words. I certainly remember it though. And whatever depression is and anxiety and panic attacks, I landed right in the middle of it for months. And probably the worst part, uh, apart from the tears and the crying and the guilt, was the uh, night terrors. I would wake up at whatever, you know, 12 o'clock or 1 o'clock, and just my heart racing out of my chest, whatever, you know, panic attacks, and never worrying about it like this. And this carried on for weeks and weeks and weeks. And most of my friends sort of vanished. Uh, the ones that really loved me, they stuck around. Thanks to God, my parents were there. I'm just being a beacon. I could have easily turned to medication. In fact, I turned to a form of medication with alcohol because drinking, I'm trying to forget everything. I couldn't forget it. But I could have easily fallen into the trap. And I had people telling me, you know, get on this anxiety medication, that kind of thing. Thankfully, I had the right information. I knew that God did not give up on me. I knew He wasn't mad at me. All these different things. There was this grieving period I was going to go through, and at the end of the day, I knew I never lost hope. And I had the right information. So, uh, just to give you an example, um, and I love it when the science and the Bible meet, which is kind of rare sometimes, but all the science says that exercise is way more effective on depression and anxiety than any pill will ever be. Now, how come we don't see that on the TV, you know, in the news and that kind of thing? So I never stopped exercising, obviously I was getting adjusted, kept great people and they eventually came out of it. So there's a, there's a good example, just hope and then get the right information. You, I'm, I'm gonna ask you a question, uh, and it's kind of based off of uh, the first time that I met you. Dr. Brian asked me what kind of medication I was on. And at the time, I was taking uh, five uh, insulin pill shot, or insulin shots a day. I take one in the morning, one at lunchtime, one at dinner time, and one right before I went to bed. And then I was taking uh, eight different medications from cholesterol to high this, and low this, and mediocre this. And I mean, I was just swallowing pills like they were crazy. And Dr. Brian said to me, "Hey, I know how to get off that insulin." I'm like, you know, super skeptical. I mean, super, super skeptical. I'm like, dude, you don't know me. You don't know my struggle. How are you going to know? He said, eat clean meat. Now, you fix this because I'm probably not saying this. Right. Yeah. Eat clean meat and green vegetables for five days. Don't take any insulin and check your sugar every day. And I'm like, no, if I, you know, if my sugar goes up or if it goes down, I'm going to get real. I can't die. He said, if you listen to me, it's going to help you. So I did it for five days. Now, when I was taking insulin, my sugar, my sugar would go. If you know anything about uh, sugar uh, reading, all the old people in here do, all the young people go, what's he talking about? Uh, hopefully, you won't have to do this. That's why we're sharing this with you. But I was going from anywhere from 180, which is high, up to 450, which is stupid high, okay? And then when it get up to 450, and this is what the dietitian at the, at, the, at the doctor's office told me, just take more insulin. If you're gonna eat a piece of cake, that's fine. Just take more insulin. If you're gonna do this, just take more insulin. And he said, stop taking insulin and start eating healthy and watch what happens to you. So I'm, I'm like, yeah, whatever. So I did it for a week. And um, 
I've been off of my insulin now for two and a half months. And I'm thankful for that. I'm just, I, 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 give, I, I give God the glory for that, for sending this guy into my life, honestly. Because that's, that's, that's two and a half months in. You know what's really good? I really want to clap about it when I'm five years into it. That's, that's when it's going to really be not just a habit, but a lifestyle changes in my life. So uh, can you provoke us this morning, all of us, on just some things that all of us can do to start or just move towards healthy, healthy living? Yeah, hopefully you got one of these sheets if you don't run it. And you can take extra, obviously. Um, the biggest thing is your mindset. If you've noticed anything about what Pastor is talking about, he made a decision. I mean, there, were, there was a moment we uh, were in Disney, Epcot, Disney World, wherever, and he got tired. And he was like, I'm tired of being this way. And this is a big thing you're talking, grasp what I'm talking about. What is it really that makes you change? Because I will tell you, it wasn't necessarily his fatigue that day. Something in him said, you know what, I've got to be around here for my grandbabies. I've got to be around for my church. I've got to be a good woman. I mean, all those things bottled up and exploded and he made that decision. So that's the first thing I would tell you to do is to write out what exactly is important to you. Why are you grateful? Who are you grateful for? Write that out. We, don't, we tend not to attach the emotion of gratefulness and love and joy to our health. In fact, when you hear, hey, there's a health talk coming, what's the first thing you all do? Yeah. <laughs> Gotta change my name. Gotta cut out the sodas. By the way, it's not, it's not all about being perfect. Is it? And if you run into me, I'm here listening. I'm not going to judge you. If there's somebody sitting in the audience and she flat out said, I love my coats. I love my So now she's down from however many years she's going today. That is a tremendous start. Always, you know, step forward. So write down what you're grateful for. Think about that every morning. If you have Bible time, you have every morning in prayer time. You know, one of the greatest things I did, especially after that accident, is, you know, because I'm just all out of was thinking about was that accident. I started thinking about what I was grateful for, my family, you know, my friends, and that eventually all that good stuff started piling up. So don't take that first one on here for granted. Now on the back, uh, how many of you know you need to change what you're eating? You know, my hand is up too. Um, we're not perfect, but we're always striving to get up. If you want to know to take down this word moderation, how many of you have heard that? Moderation. Yeah. That is a vague word. What does it mean? The person, the person, the person. Yeah, I'm telling you, the devil loves that. So we need to scratch that. It's all about being as good as you can if you're taking that next step forward, whatever that looks like. So on the back, there's uh, some things about food. Eat as much as you want from the following two things. It says they're green veggies and clean organic meats and seeds. Um, well, there's a type on there. Almonds are great. Cashews are great. Walnuts are great. Uh, just make sure they're raw as much as you can. If you guys can somehow get that strip of what you're eating, you'll have a result like this, like literally within 24 hours. Your body is... Think about the temper that you have. You came from a spermian egg. And for nine months, you developed into this little critter of 70 trillion cells with no help. With no help, I mean, there's this power in there when you're being made. What happens to that power when you're born? Does it go out with the placenta? No. It's still in there. Just get out of the way. So if you can get that radical, you're going to have a big change real quick. Now, we talk about vacation meals so you don't crack. We don't call them cheat days. You ready for the cheat days? Yeah. We call them vacation days. So maybe on a Saturday, just pick the whole day and there's no rules. Okay, so if you're doing six days great and one day badly with food, you're winning that battle. Yeah. And what you'll find is, what you'll find is as time goes by, that on that day, like you heard Pastor Ed say on Christmas, he did pretty well, you'll start wanting to eat better on that day. You're right, basically, we, we, now we're like one meal a week. And even on that meal, now it's like, I don't have to dessert anymore. Because my temple feels so good when we're behaving properly. Uh, so apart from that, and there's a point there about your spine, your brain is telling your body what to do. If it is not getting there, you are going to have an awful time. That's the biggest thing I do for people. Uh, outside of the spine, food and exercise and all those things, I'll show you how to get started. Um, but there's a couple things to answer. Thank you. So, Dr. Brian, thank you for helping me. Thank you for helping us. I know that we got about 12 to 15 people from our church that are coming to your place right now. But listen, it's not about going to his place. You find the right place for you. Get some help if you need some help. Get some encouragement. 
When we get into our new building, uh, Dr. Brian uh, is going to be doing a Wednesday night, like a, like a mini semester kind of a thing, a couple times during the year. You, you specifically told me of two. Can you just real briefly say what they are and then we'll wrap it up? So what we know about cancer and heart disease and diabetes and even Alzheimer's today is that it's old for I mean, you've heard the genetic link, you know, there's that breast cancer and all that. The epigeneticists have come in and said, listen, this is preventable. You can either turn those genes on or off. So that's what these workshops are about. That's what this shirt is about. So get some hope, you know, be ready for that. We make those very entertaining and fun and I'll have some demonstrations that we show you. I'd love to do that. If you only need anything, whether you're coming to see me or not, reach out to me, find me, shine. We, we get questions all the time. How do you eat this? What am I supposed to do with this? And we love it. We love this. It's a job. This is our life. Yeah. Thank you for the help you've given me too. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
Do you have anybody in your life that's toxic? You know, when you get around them, you're like Nacho City USA, or or or, or they just pull you down, or or or, or they make you kind of go to dark places. You know what I'm saying? I think all of us have those bad influences on our life. Listen, if you want to be healthy, and this isn't about your eating at all. This is about surrounding yourself. If you're going to be a healthy person, surround yourself with healthy people. Listen, I don't like, and I'm just talking, I don't like being with people that complain. They sound like Dino from Fred Flintstone. Complain, 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 complain. I hate this. I hate that. This is dumb. This is stupid. Why are we doing that? This takes awful. Don't you just, oh, did I just drive you crazy sometimes? But you know what winds up happening to us? We take on that personality too. And that, boy, this could go into, this could be a whole other message in, in your culture, too. You know, if you're around complainers, and you're listening to that complaining, guess what? You're not only telling them it's okay to feel that way, you're going to become that way yourself. Be around healthy people. Luke 11, 34 says, you, your eyes are the lamp of your body, so if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But when your vision is bad, your body is full of darkness. Unhealthy focus will give you an unhealthy life. Healthy focus will give you a healthy life. You know, health isn't just about what you're putting in. It's about everything you're doing in your life. You know, it's not just about your food. Uh, Proverbs chapter 4 verse 20 says, My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep inside of your heart, Solomon says. For they bring life to those who find them and healing to the whole body. Guard your heart above anything else for it determines the course of your life. It's important to be around healthy people. I, I, I tell you what, somebody asked me that what's the greatest thing you have. I, my, my wife is the biggest, not the biggest, the greatest treasure. <laughs> Strike that from the thing. The greatest treasure that's in my life is my wife. I've got great friends, great people. I, but I, can, I, can I tell you who I'm gravitated to? I'm gravitated to people that, that I have friendships with, that I spend time with. Because you know what I like to hear once in a while? Good stuff. Positive. When I go to Dr. Brian's office, he's all hyped up. Yeah, your body's a cancer killer. Oh, he's, he's, he's worse than that when he's in his so This is like the toned-down version. If you ever go in there, you're going to see him. He's like, a, he's like a cheerleader for healthy living. But I, don't you want to be around people that make you feel good and not pull you down, right? Healthy people think healthy thoughts. Number four, healthy people manage their energy. They manage their energy. There's two things needed in energy management. Right? It's super easy. And it's biblical. Listen, God put stuff in his word about us living healthy lives. And, and it, there's two things that you will have in your life to manage your energy, right? Super easy. Rest and exercise. Rest, God put that all the way in the Old Testament right after he created the heavens and the earth. Sabbath day, keep it holy, don't do nothing. Now, all the religious knuckleheads made it a super duper religious day. Oh, you've got to, you can't go by and pick up food if you're hungry. You can't do this, you can't. And they made the big rule, kind of this weird uh, living that you have to have all these rules and regulations when it came to Sabbath. Here's what God wanted from the Sabbath for you. For, listen, not for him. He wanted it for you. He wanted you to take a day and go, just relax. Chill it. Now, this doesn't mean sit in front of the TV all day and binge on three Netflix series. I may or may not have done that before. Okay? <laughs> What it means is, is you rest. You purposely don't set your alarm clock that day. You purposely do some things that, that are relaxing to you and, and kind of restore your vigor in your mind and your body. And the second way that we can manage uh, healthy living is exercise. You know, and it's kind of funny. Um, I wish there was a, this is going to sound like an endorsement, maybe it is, but I wish that, that there's a Planet Fitness up on the other side of uh, Frisco. I wish there was one in Plano, but you know what I like about Planet Fitness? I kind of like the philosophy. Because on the wall it says, no judgment zone. I love that. I love that as soon as you walk in, you don't have to be reminded of what your weight is, kind of a thing, you know? And um, th there's, some, there's some places that, that, that you can go to exercise and, and get some help. i got a guy that's kind of helping me right now. And he said to me when I walked in, he said, okay, tell me what your goals are. I said, I got a lot to share with you. Sit down. <laughs> I've had this happen. I've had this happen. I've had this happen. He says, but you're here. That's what he said. He said, but you're here. Yeah. You know, you're doing something about it. And, and listen, exercise doesn't mean you have to get a trainer 
and you know, 40 hours a week, and do all this crap. You know what exercise means, really? Walk around the block after dinner, right? Do, do some stuff around your house and move your body around a little bit. Don't let your body become this thing that you just stop taking care of. Exercise doesn't mean you have to look like Joe Atlas Musclehead. Exercise just means that you're, you're, you're moving around. You, you, you have some kind of thing in your life. And the Bible talks about how important that is. Uh, number five, last couple, you ready? Healthy people enlist healthy accountability. Healthy people enlist healthy accountability. Ecclesiastes 4 says two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, listen, if one person falls, we don't go, nah, you're an idiot, you fell, you're a dummy. You know, ah, oh, he can't do that anymore. Oh, they're not going to church. Oh, they're an alcoholic, or they're a drug addict, or they're a food addict. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm super duper aware that I put myself out there to our church, and if I start doing this again someday, you have every right to say to me, hey, remember you talking about healthy living? Why do you look like the Michelin Man again? You have every right to do that, right? But we need healthy encouragement and accountability in our lives, you know? Kim and I had to make this decision together. We had to make this decision together because it reflects the food that we have in our house, the places we go out to eat. And you know what? Sometimes we say no. You know, we say no to some different things. We say no to some different foods because we're keeping each other accountable. Uh, Hebrews 10.25 says, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Listen, that whole accountability thing, that's what church is about. We come here together corporately, together with one voice, worship the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We reflect on him. We ask him how he wants us to change. We do all those things. But you know what? By seeing somebody that you care about in church today and you giving them a high five or giving them a little bit of love or just taking a minute to talk to them or just, or just acknowledging each other's presence, that's healthy accountability, you know? That, that, that encourages us. And the Bible says we're supposed to provoke, right? Provoke is kind of like going up to a cow and, you know, nudging it with a stick. The Bible says we're supposed to provoke each other, nudge each other along to do good works. Provoke each other to do good works. Number six, last thing. Healthy people learn how to learn, and it's a lifelong process, how to depend on God. Jesus said in Luke 17, 19, Jesus said to the sick man, get up and get going. Your faith has, has, has restored you to good health. And we have a motivation, church. Listen, I, the, the, I, I'm very motivated to take my grandkids and, and be an involved, healthy, I mean, there's a commercial on TV, it's for some, some drug, I don't even know what it is. But it shows their granddaughter running up the stairs and the grandpa just says, I can't do it right now, honey, maybe we'll try tomorrow. I mean, that hit me in the face like a ton of bricks. Because I don't want to do that to my grandkids. And listen, here's the thing. There's no guarantee, if I eat like super duper healthy, eating everything Monica Gross makes for the next 10 years of my life, right? My time might be when I'm 59 years old. It might be when I'm 60. But that's not an excuse not to try to, to be a good steward. Because listen, I am accountable to teach my kids. I'm accountable to, to be a good leader to my wife. I'm accountable as, as, as your pastor of this church. But listen, this body that I have is a gift from God. And I'm accountable to Him. I, I, I have to give an account of that to God. You know? And I'll be honest with you, I like being a super big guy. I really, really do. My wife says, I married you on purpose because when I'm in big crowds, I'm really afraid because she can't see, like, she sees everybody's, you know, elbows, chest, and chins at the very, very best when you're in a big crowd of people. But I'm married to you and I can just hang on to you and I know where we're going because I can see pretty much everywhere I'm going. Being big is kind of cool. I really like it, right? But this is the gift that God gave me. This is my gift. This is my body that I've got to be a good steward of. And today, today, I've got days, I've got many, 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 many more days that I've failed than I've succeeded. But you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to win today. I'm going to win today. I got up, read my Bible, prayed, did some of the things back to Brian, did some of the things we talk to you about all the time. I gave my life to the Lord today. I gave my health to the Lord today. I gave my wife to the Lord today. I gave my family to the Lord. I gave our church to the Lord. God, today is the day I'm going to glorify you in my body. And guess what might happen today? I may hit God. Listen, if the Eagles lose tonight, pray for me. Okay? It's going to be a tough night in Tranquil House. All right? But seriously, 
There's no guarantees. There's no guarantees. I could have gotten hit by a car tomorrow, but you know I'm going to face God. And God's going to say, well done. He's going to say, you could have done better. I want to say, well done. Good, good job. Way to be an example. Way to try. Way to be an example of your family and friends. We have a greater motivation. Listen to 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Whatever you do, whatever you eat, whatever you drink, or whatever you do, whatever you eat, right? Whatever you drink, and whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So everything that goes in should glorify God. We have a great reward. 1 Corinthians 9, 25 says, all athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, right? Then listen to what it says next. But we do it for eternal prize. We do it for an eternal prize. How cool is that going to be when you cross those pearly gates and God says to you, you did good. You weren't perfect, but you did a good job. Here's the thing. And the motivation, the reward, this is, this is why we can do it. This is why we can do a church. Because of the greater power. God is not working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. And this is, this is what we have to decide we're going to do or not. I didn't tell you to go to Dr. Brian's office this week. I would personally highly recommend it to you at the church. Help me out. Help me change my life. It might not be what you need. He, he would say the same thing. We get that. But what I hope that you've heard today is, I can do better than I'm doing today. And if you're doing great, listen, encourage somebody else to do great. Just encourage somebody else to do great. But if you can do better with your health than you're doing today, then just take a step. Start eating the right stuff. Do a little bit of exercise. Talk to some people about it. Be an encouragement to somebody else. That's, give somebody an attaboy that's trying, you know? Uh, tell somebody how much it's good. Just honor them for, for their commitment. And you make that commitment too. And you be an example. Uh, healthy living is a choice. I used to say this all the time. And it, was such, it, was, it was such a terrible, terrible, terrible thing to say. But my mantra for my large body was always this. I'm big boned. <laughs> I can eat that way. I'm big boned. I used to tell my, well, of course I'm going to eat twice the amount of food my wife's going to eat. She weighs half as much as I weigh. So if she weighs 110 pounds, voila, okay, <laughs> and I weigh 200 whatever pounds, and I should be able to eat twice as much food as her. That's justifiable. I can eat that, right? No. Make healthy choices. I, I've made, I, I talk about the church. Judy's in the background going, Pastor, you're finally talking about this stuff. Pastor, you're finally talking about this. This is Judy's conviction in her life, too. She should have came up and team talk with us today. We wouldn't be here until 2 o'clock in the afternoon. But <laughs> I made a decision when I was 12 years old to ask Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. I made a decision when I was 25 years old to give my life to Jesus Christ. I made a very significant decision upon God's leading when I was 47, 48 to come to Dallas, Texas and pastor this church. Big, big, big impactful decisions I made in my life. It's going to make waves and waves and waves of, uh, of, of implications because of that. I made a decision in October that I'm done living unhealthy. And I hope that has just as big of an impact as the other things I have. Not for me. Not for me. I want to do it for the Lord and for my family. And I hope you will too. Let's pray together. Lord, this morning.